0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter number 5, starting with verse number 10 this evening, Matthew 5, in verse number 10. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I really got my S going. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you amen this evening my one word title for the night is persecuted it's real comforting persecuted this is our last lesson in the Beatitudes let's pray this evening that the Lord amen would help us tonight Lord Jesus we come to you this evening pray on the Lord for your aid pray in God for your help pray oh lord today you're able to speak and minister lord each and every heart and each and every soul God, as we come to the conclusion lord jesus of these eight the attitudes i pray yet again lord that you could impart some type of wisdom Lord and understanding and instruction in our lives God we'll thank you for it we'll praise you for it I pray oh Lord bless you people that have come out to the house of the Lord bless them Lord in their attendance of being here hopefully God that they can leave with something Lord in their spirit God that they've gleaned from your word tonight Lord we'll love you and we'll thank you for it in the lovely name of Jesus we pray amen and amen shake someone's hand before you seat it Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. And also, yes, ladies' conference, another announcement. Ladies' conference monies are due Sunday. Ladies' meeting is tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Amen. And if I may, and Zach will edit this, I'm sorry, bud. But uh, uh, some kudos, if I may. Um, in missions giving, just to let you know, this, this body of people that give to world missions and to the missionaries, uh, out of 43 churches in the state of Indiana, we rank in the top 10 in missions giving. And so i give the First Apostolic Church. That's affecting lives, 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 lives. Amen, people. Amen. And we appreciate that wholeheartedly. Amen, in your giving uh, to missions. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Uh, probably caught someone off guard tonight reading three verses rather than just one. I thought we made a mistake, didn't we? Uh, but blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Boy, you don't want to start talking about persecution whenever you start bringing up the idea of persecution, it's not necessarily a term that you wish to talk about unless you're one of those woe is me type people or it's not necessarily a term that any of us would want to or wish to experience persecution. Yet, throughout the ages and eons of time, it is the legacy of every generation who stood for righteousness. Has anybody ever read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? There's a splattering, very few splattering. Let me put that on your recommended reading list, all right, for this year. The Fox's Book of Martyrs. Because it's from there we see a lot of individuals of times past and even recent past that have met many uh, roads of persecution. It is from the Fox's Book of Martyrs we talk about a legacy uh, of, of persecution that uh, people have went through every generation, those who stood for righteousness, uh, early Christians. If, we may, if I may just sum up and give the little teaser for the Fox's Book of Martyrs, let it be this, that Christians in the hours have gone by, from Peter and Paul until now, of ages gone by, Christians, uh, some were flung to the lions or burned at the stake. Amen. And those were easy deaths that some of these martyrs had faced and had underwent. As a matter of fact, in that book you'll understand that Nero uh, wrapped Christians in pitch and set them alight and used them as living torches to light his garden. Uh, He sowed some of them, he sowed skins of wild animals upon them and set his hunting dogs loose upon them to track them down and tear them up to death, if you will. Some were tortured on a rack. Some uh, were scraped with what was called pinchers. Molten lead was poured upon their bodies, uh, hissing upon them as it fell. Red hot brass plates were affixed to the tenderest, the tenderest parts of their bodies, their eyes some were torn out, other ones of them had parts of their bodies that were cut off and then they were roasted right in front of the one who lost the member of their body their hands and their feet were burned while cold water was poured over them in order to lengthen the time of the agony persecution a lot of these people met this persecution because they stood for right living they stood For righteousness. They uh, were set, if you will, for the defense of the gospel of Christ Jesus. All of that for righteousness. All of that, if you will, for his namesake. Being an ambassador for Christ Jesus. Now there are still, don't misunderstand, there are still some horrific things taking place today that measure right up along with that. Amen. We may not read of them in the United States, but in some tribe or sect or country or third world, there are still some very, very serious and profound things along the lines taking place. Again, all for the, the cause of righteousness and standing for Righteousness. I don't, know, I don't know how we would uh, compare or ride out in an hour like they had today if we were taken to the same post and taken to the same place, if we would be as firm in our stand as they were because it would seem that tonight the task of many has, uh, they have attempted today to make the gospel inoffensive. Make the gospel inoffensive. We don't want to ruffle any feathers, so to speak. Uh, we want to be on everybody's good side. And I must say quite plainly, I, I like to be, if I can be, I don't like to be disliked. I don't know if, that, if that's a common personality trait, but I think for the most part, people like to be liked. They like to have friends. They, they like to be able to be liked by other people. But let me tell you very well that I do not want to be liked by sacrificing truth. If that's what it takes to be liked, I'm going to have to be disliked if it requires sacrificing truth. The Bible said in Luke 6 and verse 26, and we have a lot of scripture this evening, the Bible says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. It isn't necessarily a notable trait nor a well-spoken of trait if there is nobody in your life that has something bad to say about you. (laughs) Because it's just simple like this. We live in a world that is totally diabolical to the church. And so if you're going to be a Christian, Christ-like, and if you're going to uphold what he upheld in his earthly ministry, there's going to come a time that the darkness is not one going to embrace the light. And you will have enemies. And you will be disliked. And you will be persecuted. And not everybody's going to assume the same thoughts and ideas and truth that you have embraced. So if you say, well, everybody, my friend, everything's fine, then I have a, a question tonight about where you are in your faith. He said, whenever I came, I did not come necessarily to bring peace, but division. What's he talking about? He said, there there is going to be a line drawn in the sand. There will be sheep and there will be goats. There is going to be a difference. There is going to be a natural separation. Does that say you don't love everybody? No. And you try to be kind and generous to everybody? No. But it's just saying by virtue of life, And by virtue of where your destiny is headed, it's going to cause there to be some likes and dislikes in your life. Amen. Jesus, amen, our Lord and our Master, there came at different times in New Testament Scripture that they attempted to throw Jesus over the brow of a hill. I wouldn't necessarily say that they liked Him very much. On another occasion, the Bible says they took up stones to stone them, but he went out from the midst of them because his time was not yet. Not, I mean, I don't know if friends just get around and start throwing rocks at each other, except maybe some of the boys around here. But it's not necessarily a character trait of being liked. But Jesus came, and what he came, he came with a challenge. I've always thought, what good is a challenge if it doesn't produce a change? So here we are, our last beatitude, if you think two some odd weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I mentioned this, I think then, but let me reiterate for our our forgetfulness, including mine. So right here on the heels of the peacemakers are the persecuted. Isn't this great? We talked about the peacemakers, now we talk about the persecuted and as I stated two weeks ago I want to state now and bring it to the forefront of our minds he said blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake and I said then I say now persecution comes because peace finds its roots in righteousness and purity amen peace finds its roots in righteousness and in purity and whenever you start talking about something being right, something being pure, something being absolute, uh huh, then the voices that that doesn't rub shoulders with will cry out against it. You know, some things, some things don't appear crooked. Listen to me unless they're set in an environment of straightness. I remember Brother Mason uh, years ago, and I was just starting out playing the drums, and last Sunday proved that that was probably never my calling. And I've been far removed from that, and I think it's best I stay that way. But years ago, and instead of you didn't get this prime drumstick stuff, Dad had this little pawn shop down in Evansville, like on Third or something down there, and we—it's—it's it's still down there probably. <clears throat> and uh, we would go down there, and we would get drumsticks. You'd get them real cheap. <laughs> There's probably a reason behind that. But I remember getting them, and I would grab them, and, man, they looked like, man, these are great drumsticks. You know, these are awesome. And I will never forget, Brother Mason, one day uh, someone down there that evidently knew a whole lot more than what I did, which wouldn't took taken much at that age, and probably even now for that matter. But he said, uh, he said man, he said, that thing's crooked. Looked straight to me, man. I was holding up to another one. You know, it looked straight to me, but they were both crooked. And he, laid, he laid it, and he said, "When well, you come here, this is what you need to do. And he laid it down on that flat, level surface on the counter, and he wrote it. And then it flopped like a flat tire, boom, boom, boom. And it was raising up a big old bow in the center. Both of them did that. I thought they were straight. I guess if they both went like that, you know, well, yeah, there's a perfect pair. <laughs> but he he told me, he said, you put it on, put it on that flat counter. Because that's flat. Straight. If we'd say like this, that's a good standard. And if you roll it on there and it's flopping all around, that thing's crooked. But if it rolls without any hesitation, you probably got a straight stick. So what I'm trying to say is, some things do not appear crooked unless they're set in an environment of straightness. Amen. Amen. Let me go here, Romans 3 and verse number 20. My main emphasis should be on the last phrase. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. Look at the Scripture. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, before the law, without the law, there was not a knowledge of sin. Why? Because there was nothing straight to measure the crookedness against. Yeah. Romans 5.13, now look at the scripture. This goes with this. It says, for until the law, sin was in the world. In other words, before the law ever came, before it ever got here, before it was ever birthed, there was sin in the world. But sin is not imputed In the literal Greek, it's not accounted for or it's not reckoned with when there is no law. In other words, sin was here before the law ever got here, but it wasn't recognized. It wasn't accounted for. It wasn't reckoned with until the law came because the law set the crookedness in a straight place. And whenever the law came, it took all that crookedness and that dismantling and aversion here of sin and put it in a straight place and they said, hey, that's not right because they had something to measure it against. (laughs) And whenever that type of stuff starts happening, crooked things are measured by straight things, the crooked begin to cry out against the straight. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at it happening time and time again. Nobody. There, you know, there wasn't a whole big ruckus and problem with John the Baptist. He was saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, calling people to repentance. But whenever he started naming things, as long as it was a generality of repentance, you forth works of repentance, there wasn't a big upheaval, but whenever he cried out to Herod and said, Herod, it is unlawful for you to have your brother's wife, shortly thereafter he is placed in prison and eventually he is put to death. There is persecution that ensues and happens. Why? Because he called sin, sin, right, right, wrong, wrong, no matter ground hallelujah amen hear me well today if you stand up for truth you will be persecuted if you stand up for what is right someone's going to say what you are saying is right is not right why are they doing that because it makes them feel uncomfortable about where they are living life yes John suffered persecution. He even suffered death for righteousness' sake. What's the apostle telling us then in Romans 5.13? What is he telling us? He's telling us that sin was in the world before the law ever existed, but that it was the law that made people accountable for their sin, made them reckon with their sin, own, if you will, their sin. Ladies and gentlemen, without there being an unchanging set standard, The current condition of our world, of our society, may appear by most participants in this world to be okay, fine, custom, normal, if you will. But let someone voice and display the cause of righteousness and cause society to be accountable for what they're doing And to reckon with what they're doing, the current way, and I'll tell you what the reaction will be. Persecution. They'll persecute the minority. They'll squelch the voice of anything that may be different from the status quo. (laughs) You know, I could could pilfer through that little drum bin maybe sometimes and find 10 drumsticks that are crooked. But that doesn't mean then according to the norm this is the new norm this is the new straight we're trying to redefine what's righteous redefine what's straight The world's trying to be customary for us to redefine what is straight but truth is still truth look at the scripture if you will I don't have it on the board or the screen for you rather in Acts chapter 19 uh, Paul is coming to a city and he is preaching. He's preaching against the great temple of Diana and the idols that are made there and the worship that takes place there. And there is a man uh, by the name of Demetrius, I believe is his name. If, if, my, if my memory serves me correctly, I'll turn there so I can be right Amen. There's a man there who is a a, a blacksmith. And and he works and he makes idols. He's a silversmith. His name is Demetrius. I was correct. Uh, And he works this work. And he says, here's this apostle Paul. He's preaching about this temple of Diana and the the serving of false gods. And the Bible says as a result of this that the city was full of wrath. If I can, the city was in uproar because Paul was preaching against the practices that took place in the temple of Diana and the serving of false gods. It was full of wrath. It was an uproar. Let me tell you, it will be no different or should I say it is no different. Paul preached what was right and true then, and there was an uproar in the city and in the area. And whenever men, preachers, teachers stand up and preach truth today, amen, it will yet again cause an uproar in the cities, the towns, maybe your personal family. Some listen. Some of y'all, uh, some of your families are in upheaval. Amen. And some of that isn't all, I don't know really how to say this, a negative thing. Some of it is as a result because somebody is standing for righteousness. And that's going to happen. That's going to take place. There will be a sifting, if you will, even in your own family. The Bible said, hey, here's Demetrius. He said, hey, listen, all these people went to Diana, the temple of Diana. Amen. All of the world and all of Asia worshiped here. And Paul stood up and said, that's wrong. And it brought persecution. It brought an uproar into the city. If you intend on being a child of God, you will be met with persecution. And I hate to say this, but this is the exact truth. You better acquire some tough skin because your skin's gonna be gnawed upon. It's gonna be pierced. It's gonna be trying to be tore. They're gonna try out how true you are to truth and righteousness. Amen. Bible says in John 15, and verse number 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you mm. uh-huh. if it hated you it hated me before it hated you he says you're, you're not of the world because if you were the l- world would love his own he said but I, you're not of the world he says I've chosen you out of it we're, we're back in separation here we go I've called you out of it he said, therefore the world hateth you. Oh God, he's going to have to help me really hard right here, folks. Let me tell you, if you can leave the world and everything it represents and all the lines, that, that, that destinies that it travels to, if you can leave that and keep every alliance that you had in the world, then you're not quite out of the world yet. There's nothing wrong with having, there's people that I have that are friends that that are not church people in any imagination. But I guarantee you one thing. There are certain elements that it's like sandpaper against wood. Why? Because I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to stand for godliness. And if you never have those points in a relationship with someone outside of the world, then you're not totally out of the world yet. Because it will come up. It will happen. You are not of the world. Amen. If you are, then it will love its own. Amen. He said in verse 20, "Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his lord. If they have persecuted me," Jesus says, "they will also persecute you. If they have kept my same, they will keep yours." Oh, he said, "The servant is not greater than his lord." Did Jesus suffer? did Jesus almost cast over the brow of the heel? did they try to stone him did they speak lies of slander upon him did they mock him yes 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 on all accounts well we are no better than he is if we are truly sold out to right living sowed out to righteousness there will be mockings there will be scourgings there will be false words and slanders spoken of you and I the same I don't want everything to get totally misconstrued here, but in many ways, persecution is a testament to our Christianity, our Christ-likeness. Amen. He said, if they did it to me, they'll do it to you. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ-like, if it happened to him, it's going to happen to you. Second Timothy 3.12 if you don't have this verse underlined in your Bible highlighted in your Bible a star in your Bible you better do it right now because the apostle said yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution no amendments to that no other explanation for that you live godly, you'll suffer persecution. Hands down. The old saying used to be, uh, if, if I wasn't being tried by the devil, I would be afraid that he had already had me. You know, there is a lot of thought that is true in that. Amen. Because if you're living godly, righteously, right living, you shall suffer persecution. You know, some people get the idea. You know, we joke around. You know, nothing's happening in some person's life. Everything's happening in another person's life. And they say, well, I must be living right because everything's going okay. You know, it might be the, the inverse of that. You might be living like hell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let it go on here. Yeah. Matthew 5. Let's go back to the scripture setting. Matthew 5 verse 11 look look at verse 11 verse 11 is reiterating verse number 10 verse 11 is further explaining verse number 10 he said blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake verse 11 is reiterating and further explaining verse number 10 It goes on to include a little bit of what all this persecution is. It's more than just being burned at the stake and people losing their lives at martyrs, but persecution also entails that they shall revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. As a matter of fact, the word persecuted here in Matthew if you just allow me, we'll not get deep into this, but in the Greek there's voices and there's tenses and so on and so forth. And in the, in the voice that this is spoken in and the tense that this is spoken in, it basically means this, that the persecution will come from an external source and it won't ever change until the persecutor changes. So it's going to happen. And sadly, Brother Fred, it's going to continue to happen from hopefully an external source. But when we talk about they shall revile you, that's kind of a persecution that happens with the mouth. Revile is to ambush with vicious and mocking words. They're going to revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Falsely is the key word there. Yes, sir. Because some people will be spoken all evil against and the truth's in it. The key word is falsely. <laughs> it's important to know, he said, blessed are they which should, that should be, that will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's important to know why you're being persecuted. Every persecution we receive is not for righteousness' sake. Some of the persecution we receive is because well, we did it, so we're paying the piper. Some of the other persecution we received because we're constantly vacillating from this to that to this to this and the other and that. We're wishy-washy and we get persecution because of that. But the key is when you are doing what is right, right living, you'll be blessed in your persecution when it's for that. When there's false words, slander, slander. Slander being spoken, there's no truth in it, David said in Psalms 35 and verse 11, he said false witnesses did rise up, he said they laid to my church things that I knew not <laughs> David, I tell you what David did blah blah blah, he's sitting over there just bewildered, what are they even talking about because they were even they are making stuff up said things that he even, laid like things to his charge he didn't even know, and if you live around God long enough, there's going to come that down your pipe People's going to say stuff about you that you have no idea what they're even talking about. Why? Because it's fabricated. It's made up. But here's, folks, listen to me right now. Please understand this because I get frustrated sometimes in my spirit because I have a hard time sometimes when that's taken place to understand that it's not a personal attack. The persecution isn't about toward me, it's toward my God. It's toward His righteousness. It's toward His right living. It's toward His holiness. It's toward His, oh yes. So you gotta understand where it's coming from and what it's going toward. It's not against you personally. It's against your daddy. It's against your father. It's against the holy righteous God. Because I know sometimes I probably got red in the face because I felt like it was a personal attack and didn't really, do, you know, put things where they need to put. This isn't against me. This is against him. I just to be happen to be the guy in flesh and blood and bones that they can see, touch and feel, and have something to point their finger toward. All right. All right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> Look at verse ten. He says, "Blessed this persecution for." righteousness sake in verse 10 for righteousness sake it's almost been equated or or revealed then in verse number 11 where it's reiterated he says for my sake for righteousness sake for my sake Jesus' sake God's sake and again we identified with something that we identified back at blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness understanding that righteousness is God righteousness is it's not an attribute of god it is god and he said so whenever they persecute they they persecute you get persecuted for my sake for me i'm righteousness righteousness sake so it's very important tonight to deduce why you're being persecuted when you're being persecuted and we mistaken our uh mistaken greatly if we think that when we become believers saints born again of the water and the spirit That uh, everything should be simpler, easier, easier, and less demanding. We're fooling ourselves. How can that even be when now we're foreign to... uh, The kingdom that we've entered into is foreign to the world that's around us. Romans 14 and verse 17. i got to hurry along here. It says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost... 18. for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men the kingdom of God is not meat and drink in Romans what they were dealing with was some pagan practices it was common in their pagan practices and their pagan gods that oft times one of the first things they would do would offer up a drink of wine unto their pagan god then they would offer a sacrifice and as it was even with the Old Testament the true God they would only offer a part of that sacrifice their priest would and the other portion was for them and their family to partake of and as a result of that since meat wasn't served very often or happened very often amen they brought in their families and neighbors and they had a feast and they had a party feeding on some meat that had been sacrificed and offered to an idol (laughs) and so God said, he said, for the kingdom of God, it's not meat and drink after this measure. But I like what he says in verse 18. He says, for he that in these things, if I could say it, in these things, meat and drink, serveth Christ, is acceptable to God. I like this. In other words, in these things, where these things are happening, taking place in Rome and among the Romans, if there is a people that would serve Christ in these matters not partake of the drink being offered to false gods and not partake of the meat that's being offered to false idols if they would be serving Christ in these matters they are acceptable unto God but and approved of men or literally tried of men could I go a step further persecuted of men When these men please Christ in their actions, they're approved of God, but they'll be persecuted of men. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. We suffer righteousness. We suffer persecution rather because of right living. Righteousness. Whenever the the vine dresser was going out to the vineyard in, in John 15, I believe it is, It was the branch that beareth fruit that got pruned. Uh Uh-huh. The branch that bears fruit. It's the one that gets pruned. You suffer because he suffered. It's going to happen. I believe it's Jude. They're the gateway to the book of Revelation. Jude, he said, and of some having compassion, making a difference, and others pulling them out of the fire. Let me say it like this at times it is impossible to pull men's souls out of the fire without feeling the heat and, at worst, sometimes getting burnt. <laughs> the persecution will come with the proximity of where you are. In John 19, and you may go there if you wish, I don't have them on the screen, but in John 19, we are entering into a time segment right before the crucifix of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate has scourged him Uh, they have uh, plated a crown of thorns upon his head, and then they have put a a purple robe around his shoulders. Pilate has went out to the people, told them, I find no fault with this man, has told them yet again, I find no fault with this man. So whenever Pilate brings him out again before the people after his scourging, Jesus has a crown of thorns and a purple robe. Now, if we were just to stop and say that Jesus had a crown in a robe, most people would think royalty. But his crown was of thorns. And this, this hit me, uh, it's been several months ago, that I've read through there, because whenever Pilate has Jesus comes, come out attired in those things, he exclaims, behold the man. As if, Brother Mason, almost to say that man properly appareled was a mixture of suffering and royalty. Come on, just walk with me here for a moment. In 2 Timothy 2.12, I've already given you 2 Timothy 3.12, this is 2.12. The Bible says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. In other words, the apostle is telling us of a suffering that comes before the reigning. Amen. A suffering that precursors the reigning. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if this interests anyone or not, but then in John 19 and verse number two, in that scenario with Jesus Christ in Pilate, the Bible says in verse two of John 19, and the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. The crown of thorns was placed on his head and then they placed upon him a purple Robe. They put suffering upon him before there was any reigning that was placed upon him. Persecution will prelude be a prelude to the great reward that Scripture talks of, of that heavenly reward that Scripture talks of. That is the pattern. It is suffering, and then it's royalty. It's suffering, and then it is reigning. But rest assured, as Scripture says, if you suffer with him, you will reign with him. There will be no reigning with him unless somewhere along the line you suffer with him. Paul said, I bear about my body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also might abide and reign Why? He says, I can't have the life unless I have the suffering. I can't have the resurrection unless I have the persecution of his death. Jesus goes from, from general terms. If we go back to our scripture setting, I'm gonna we'll wrap it up here soon. Soon, be in about seven minutes or so. For tonight, don't write down your notes. Soon equals seven minutes, and the next time I use it, you get your countdown clock going. Jesus went from speaking in general terms. Look at verse ten. Blessed are they. Blessed are they. That seems to be the terminology a lot through the. Beatitudes, the, the they's Blessed are they But in verse number 11 he, went, he goes from a generality And he gets a little bit more personal In the repetition by saying Blessed are ye And I think Remember the multitudes were around But more intimately was his disciples More intimately was his disciples right there He's been speaking thus far in this generality Blessed are they he really had to make a connection right here and not just say blessed are they but blessed are ye he had to look in Peter's face and say blessed are you Peter he had to look in John's face and say blessed are you John he needed a connection with his disciples at this moment why because whenever he's gone they're going to be getting the brunt of the persecution why because tradition and history tells us that it would be the James that he was talking to right then that would be beheaded be the Philip that he was talking to right then that would be crucified be the Matthew that would be slain by the sword the James the less that would be stoned to death the Matthias that would be stoned and beheaded the Andrew that would be crucified and left hanging on a cross for three days be the Peter that was crucified upside down you had to make a connection with them that blessed are you Peter that suffer persecution and have that in your life amen because great is going to be your reward Yours is going to be the kingdom. He had to get in that Peter's mind. He had to do that for Peter. Why? Because there would come a time Jesus would start to talk about his own suffering. And say, I'm going to be taken to the hands of the chief rulers and the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm going to be in the hands of witness. And Peter's going to say, Be it far from you, Lord. And the Lord's going to say, Hey, get thee behind me, Peter. He says, For thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. Why did he say that then? Because he knew Peter was going to have that time in his life. And before it was all over, he He wanted to have a Peter that said, hey, I'm gonna stand for righteousness even if it means persecution. He had to talk to Peter right then and bring it right down to him because Peter would be crucified upside down. Paul would be beheaded by Nero in Rome. Jude would be crucified. Bartholomew would be beaten to death with clubs. Thomas would be speared to death. Simon Bezella would be crucified. And John would be put in that boiling pot of oil only to survive that and be exiled to a Patmos, an island called Patmos, and later died there as a prisoner there's a great multitude around there but he had to get personal right then because his disciples were sitting there and he knew what their end was going to be right from that moment in time you're going to suffer persecution for this right living that I've taught you for the past three and a half years for what you've learned upon the mountain under the shade of a tree and along the many sea endeavors that we've had he says you're going to have to get this that there is a blessing in persecution when you're persecuted for righteousness sake Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and verse 12 beloved think it not strange that's what I'm trying to get get us to right here tonight think it not strange concerning the fire trial which is to try you church family don't think it strange as though some strange thing is happening to you but rejoice that's what he told him in the Beatitudes he said rejoice and be exceedingly glad He said rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So you're going to have your crown of thorns. But wait. There's going to be a robe that's going to place upon your shoulders too. Rejoice. Why? Because suffering is just the precursor to glory. Rejoice, why? Because Matthew 5 and verse 12 that says that likewise, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Listen now, for great is your reward in heaven. (laughs) In other words, look at your future. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why? Look at your future. Great is your reward in heaven. But not just that. From where you're standing, consider your past as well. Consider your heritage. Consider your heritage. They persecuted the prophets which were before you. Amen. It happened back then. Amen. That should bring comfort and rejoicing and be exceedingly glad. But don't forget what's ahead of you. There is a great exceeding reward. I'm getting there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. In Jesus' name, Romans 8, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. If so be that we suffer with him. The if there in the Greek means since. In other words, it speaks of a certainty, not like, as we would think, a possibility. It speaks of a certainty. If so be that we suffer with him. In other words, certainly we will suffer with him that we may be also glorified together I love this verse sometimes I've quoted amen in prayer times for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us if I'm say it like this tonight don't look at me quite yet because if you do you'll only see a crown of thorns Don't look at me quite yet because if you do, you'll just see a crown of thorns on my head but I'm not fully clothed yet. I'm not fully dressed yet the same ones that vested Jesus with the crown of thorns were the same ones that put that purple robe around his shoulders my present persecution is laid on me right now hallelujah and that which is laid on my head right now is securing for me a great reward one other writer said in 2nd Corinthians an exceeding and eternal weight in glory he spoke of our light affl- of affliction, but it was getting for us an exceeding and eternal. Someone say eternal eternal weight and glory today as I was thinking on that and I was kind of writing it down in my notes because it came to my mind I just wrote down that we would have an exceeding weight and glory and I looked it up in the Bible and I forgot about the, world, the word eternal I totally forgot about it I just said well we'll have an exceeding weight amen and glory but I don't want to skip over the word eternal we'll have an exceeding and eternal weight and glory why because what I'm experiencing right now is just temporal what I'm experiencing right now is is just a batting of the eye. What I'm experiencing right now is just a blip on the radar, but what I get in return, it's gonna be an eternal, eternal, eternal glory. Yes. Stand with me tonight. blessed are they which are persecuted why in the world summon up the beatitudes with that because if you practice being poor in spirit (laughs) you practice mourning you practice being meek you practice being hungry and thirsty after righteousness you practice being merciful pure in heart and being a peacemaker you don't have to look for persecution he'll find you yours is the kingdom of heaven Yours is the kingdom of God. Great is your reward. Great is your reward. Great is your reward. We bow our heads in this place this evening. That concludes the Beatitudes here this evening. Character and conduct, a progression, if you will, a starting. You haven't it all sewed up and ending with you don't have nothing together and you're totally dependent upon Him. Starting with you'll defend anything that concerns self and ending with you'll defend anything that's His. In the beginning it was blessed the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the end it's blessed are they who are persecuted for my for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of Almost like two bookends holding together the Beatitudes in the center of a similar thread and theme and content. Heaven's yours today. Remain poor in spirit. Remain humble. Mourn. Have a hunger and thirst deeply of righteousness. Be a peacemaker. Be meek and merciful. Obtain mercy. Persecution will come, but it comes not in vain because as the crown's being placed upon your head by virtue of that happening a robe's being wrapped around your shoulders of glory and royalty (sighs) behold the man behold the man I'm saying to the world to the generation of today behold the men and the women behold the church she's crowned with thorns but she's got a royal robe placed upon her shoulders And if you suffer with Him, you will reign with Him. These altars are open right now. Feel the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.